we are activating your unique self-discovery one show at a time. The Orchard of Wisdom Self-Discovery Podcast are at your fingertips, just waiting to inspire and invite you in discovering just how awesome you really are and how to navigate through life in joy, enrichment, personal abundance, in mind, body, spirit, heart and soul. All the people we bring you are here to serve you on your journey of life. Do enjoy our next show. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of An Author's Kiss right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today is Yeso, JD. And we're going to be talking about sorcery and mystical phenomena and adventures into the unknown and unseen evil. He's written this book called The Tale, and it's actually book number one, which is knowledge, and he has several of the books coming out, but we're going to be talking about the first book today. It's when two strangers are thrown into a world of African sorcery, unseen evil, and mystical phenomena. They are forced to confront a fantastical realm that they never imagined existed. Very few managed to land a job working in the special services for the West African government of Conti experience. Uh, even fewer are given the responsibility that have been entrusted to the Cobians, such as a young age and in a role that includes analyzing files and secretive S-cells, a unit which specializes in incidents involving African mysticism and sorcery. We have a lot here to talk about today. Yosef is actually in Vancouver, Canada. He is an immigrant from West Africa and a lot of his um, of his culture is very much in these books and in these stories, which we're really looking forward to unraveling today. So welcome to the show, Yasop. Well, thank you for having me. Now, um, authoring, it's, you know, um, writing a book isn't easy. I've just written one, believe me, I know. Um, what made you want a write a book, but also tell this kind of story, and, and also the fact that you've got several of them in the, in the sequence here, but is, was it a story that was always in your head that needed to come out? Yes, we can, we can say like that. I always had a, a vivid imagination, so building story was always present. I think what drove me to write this specific story was my observation of the world have a many subject developed through it that I wanted to explore. Um, it was an occasion for me, I think, to dive into the African narrative and allow myself to navigate to the lush nature and colorful culture. And I think with the time after time passed, because I was building a lot of uh, story in my head, as you said, it had to come out. Mm -hmm. So I, I combined this this building of the story with the, the the culture of Africa to be able to to make this book. Mm. There's so much culture in Africa, and it's so very deep rooted. There's so many flavors and layers of it, but all of it is quite rhythmical, isn't it? It is. Yes, it's most of the. I think most of the culture in Africa, if you look at the. the they seem quite different, but they also seem mm -hmm. quite one one at the same time, and they all follow this rhythmic pattern, if you can follow. So even if you don't recognize one, looking at uh, a second one, you should be able to say, oh, this is from a, this is from the African culture. This also is from the African culture mm -hmm. because there are some similarities in 
in uh, in both in both sides that you see. Kind of a heartbeat that resonates <laughs> at the same, right? But it's it's just like a a single instrument being played in many different ways. Yes, sir. Um, I lived in South Africa for 11 years and did a lot of traveling outside of it. And one thing I always loved about the African culture was the rhythm, was even in the sense of movement and talk, there was always a rhythm to it. It was always so inviting and uplifting. And, but, you know, even in just discussing the weather, there was always like story tell in it. So there's, uh, I think the culture very much blends to being a story in itself. That's correct. Um, the the rhythm you're talking about, the, the rhythm, I think it's in every aspect of the African culture, every aspect from the talking to the dancing to the feeling. And and uh, there is actually this saying, uh, because I used to, to say that sometimes African are late, late in party. Uh, we, we usually say it's not because they are late because of time. They are just following a rhythm. So yes. it's it's a way of saying that everything is in African culture specifically. Everything is a rhythm. If it's mm-hmm. the music, it's the, the way the person is talking, the way this person is moving. Yes. We all follow this kind of. Uh, Even the laughter. Pattern. You know, the, the way the people walk and everything. It's just that I was always fascinated with it. I'm very, very drawn to it um, because, you know, I consider myself a very rhythmical person in the way I speak, the way I go about my life. And, you know, life is a, a wonderful frequency and it's a rhythm and flow. And, uh, you know, when you tap into that, it's like you're traveling the wave, the wave of that energy. And it's a, it could be so inviting and intoxicating in many, many ways. And, uh, you know, can take you down into wanting to open up the stories, wanting to open up more of the depth of the culture and all those wonderful stories that kind of come out from the very deep roots. Yes, true. Um, you said one word, um, or one sentence, life is, is, a, uh, is a rhythmic, is a frequency. Mm-hmm. And that's very, very important in the, in the African folklore, mm-hmm. in the African uh, uh, culture, if you if you deep uh, you 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 dig deep in the background, you'll start to see that the, the stories, the writing, mm-hmm. and everything talk about this frequency about about the planet that African used to follow. So yes, yes, it is very important in yeah. In I the mean, culture. it's very much how you kind of know what's happening in the land. So very much in tune with nature, very much in tune with, you know, with, with current, you know, what's going on because of, um, of tapping into the rhythms, tapping into the frequencies. And I think this is, you know, why, you know, the African culture is so flavorful because it's always bringing out the different notes in everything, in your food and the way you speak and in the way you view life um, and the way you interact. It's just, you know, it's always got these wonderful different notes that manage to dance together. That's correct. Um, the, the part about um, uh, the connection of the planet, of, of the earth with the African is, is something that goes very deep, actually. Mm-hmm. And the way, the way um, 
I don't know if it's changing now. I believe it's slowly changing, but yeah. the, the way the, the, the Africans or the old Africans used to think about the earth, it was something completely different. Yeah. Thinking about uh, she was there and she, she bore us. She made us be human. So the understanding is we have to be there to make sure that we respect, we respect her as much as possible. Yes. And make sure that if she's not there, we are not there. Exactly. So that, mm -hmm. that's, that's something, it's not only science, or it's not only thinking about it, it's ingrained into the nature of the, the African culture to say that in any way, you have to, whatever you do, make sure you don't hurt the person or the house where you are, because if, it, if this goes to flame, you go to flame too. Right. In, in a certain way. It's, it's very shamanic thinking, isn't it? You know, it's yes. the, the philosophy <laughs> that is there of being in tuned. And what is a shaman but somebody that is in tune to the wisdom, uh, understands the wisdom so we can understand the knowledge and how to use that knowledge. And that every single one of us has the ability to be shamanic, to become a shaman, to be in tuned, to channel and listen to the messages of the universe and the earth. But we always have those people that do it so well. And they become very much our spiritual leaders, which isn't really anything to do with religion, but to do again with the entunement of the frequency of Earth's frequency, of the universe's frequency, and being able to understand the wisdom and how to know how to use the knowledge that we have. Yes. Uh, yes, that's correct, actually. Uh, in, in a way, you know, the, the name shaman, it, it has so many definitions. Mm -hmm. Because for sh the shamanic, when someone thinks of shaman, well, I don't know if it's everywhere, but especially in Africa, I know there are good shaman and bad yeah. shaman. That's what, from, from my understanding. And usually people associate, when you say this guy is a shaman, people associate it with evil of bad thing of this kind of stuff which is not which is not the way actually a shaman as you as you explain the person which is in tune with uh, the spiritual world which is in tune with uh, with the earth and it's most of the time it's this kind of person you need to to approach to be able to understand either the world or either yourself and this mm -hmm. uh, this kind of thing but yes i think uh we should be able to define or to understand better the word shaman uh, in a way so that at least we know exactly how we should approach it or what we should do when we hear this word and what, how to approach this, this person who is called shaman. And to recognize the right shaman, as you said, there are those that represent themselves as shamans and they're, they're the unseen evil because they haven't owned their own exactly, agenda. Uh, so, but if you are exactly. coming from a pure energy yourself, you know, and, and an attention from love, love of self, love of planet, love of the universal energy, love of spirit, then you will recognize the right shaman. If you're coming from a place of lack or exactly. fear, oh, then, then you're going to, you know, be attracted to the, the fake or the false shaman. The false shaman, the, the imposter, if you can call mm -hmm. it like that. Yes, yes, exactly. There's plenty <laughs> of those buyer, in the world, yeah, rather. Yeah, you know, it is buyer beware. <laughs> it, it is very often, you know, shamans are very eloquent 
with their words. But it's are, to recognize the true shaman is, are these words being spoken from the core, the spirit, the essence of the universe and earth? Are they, can you hear those words coming through them? Or are the words coming from a head intent just to t tell you what you what they think you want to know? And that's how you tell the difference, right? Yes, so you might be you might be more in tune uh, in the way that you recognize a good one. Because as as we talk about, some some are very, very eloquent with the world, the word. So it can be easy, it can be very easy for them. Mm -hmm. to attract people just by speaking and they might not be the good one but yes if you have a good energy and you know exactly where you're looking at and what you're looking for you might easily be drawn to the correct right. or the good shaman that leads to the african sorcery right and you know i know that um, <laughs> in, in many cultures things like stones or bones or, or other type of things are, are you know a way of reading the future or the present or whatever, or even used in healing. But then there's always, again, that fine line of when does it become bad sorcery as opposed to too good. In your book, is it perceived as bad? It's perceived as, as both mm -hmm. good and bad. Uh, I, I, the way I wrote the book, I wanted the reader to be able to understand that uh, Sorcery, it is mystical, it is mystical, but it is also some kind of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And knowledge in general can be used either for good and evil. Yeah. If you take knowledge in the general sense of term, it can be used to uh, design the part of an incubator, or it can be used to design the part of a firearm. Mm -hmm. Now, the main difference between these two designs is the focus on the mind. In the part of the incubator, the mind decided to focus on helping life. Mm -hmm. In the part of the firearm, the mind decided to focus on something else. And uh, I think it's the same role that apply in, in mm -hmm. sorcery. And uh, I, I don't think I take this as directly evil or only right. good. It's to the reader to, to read the book and see that, oh, this is sorcery, but this person used that in such yeah. a way that it's helping someone, right? And this one, or is he using sorcery to do actual bad to people? So I wanted this balance and be the reader to be able to. Mm. It, see, it's the to same way we side. can look at money. You know, people, well, money is evil. No, the way we can use money can be evil. The way you use the money yes. can be evil. Yes, but it doesn't mean money itself. It's, it's an innate object. It's just a trans, you know, transaction. But how we use money to empower or to depower, you know, then that comes into choice and so really kind of what you're talking about is that sorcery is in the choice and if it's used for non-good then that I think is coming from a lack in the mind when it's used for good that I believe it's coming from the soul heart center exactly everything in the world everything that we have ever seen from the very beginning from where we were, were born has been fought by mm. someone. Yes. Right. From the the road to the to the cities to the buildings. And it's always from the mind that comes either a good thing or a bad thing. It's not the object. Yes. As you said, money 
it's just an object that we yes. use. And the mind of a person that's using that object can make it a very good thing. Or it can be used also to do very bad things. So it's not the money. It's the person behind, the person using it, the mind using that, that object that's making it good or bad. Right. And is the heart in it? Because when the heart is in it, and you're in that state of, of love, you can't knowingly do any harm to anyone else, for it is to harm that's, yourself. That's very true. That's very true. Um, the using, yes, the heart in such, for, from, from somebody can be, how do you call it, direct. You don't even need to think about it. Yeah. Because, for example, if, if I'm outside, and I am I am thinking a certain way. I have my my heart in a certain place. If I see someone being hurt, I won't even be thinking. I will go directly helping that, yes. that person, and that's directly coming from the mind. It's not the the, the mind thinking. It's correct. heart thinking, heart coming intellect. From the, sorry, yeah. coming from the heart. Yeah. Exactly. It's the it's, heart intellect. it's you go directly it, to it. We won't right. even thinking. It's empathy, right? It is empathy, and if we have more empathy and compassion then we're going to reach out and support one another. But if we are only thinking from the mind and switching off the heart or the soul intellect, then we're always, I think, thinking from a place of lack. And when we are thinking from a place of lack, we're always trying to substitute something. Uh, and that means, you know, taking it away from someone else or inflicting harm on someone else because you're in pain. So, you know, very exactly. often old beliefs, old patterns and the feeling of lack can very much lead you into the other side of the road rather than the one of love. That's correct. I, I completely agree. But there is one thing also that we need to, to acknowledge here. So the mind is one thing that you use to be able to either do good or bad. The hurt is one of the mm -hmm. most important things. But the hurt is at that limit where it can be a beautiful love and be able to help. Yes. Or it can be also a big kind of hatred mm -hmm. because it's, it's at that limit where that's where you need to be able to control it. See, if I have my hurt, I'm using my hurt in my mind to be able to help people. And it's the same hurt when, I, when someone hurt me. It's the same hurt that gave me that uh, hate that 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 way of wanting to harm the other one so it's it's a balance that the person need to do it, it should be it should be a balance between using uh, one's heart and one's mind to be able to do the good that we yes need to but putting the heart right. yeah heart thought rather than you know pain thought right you know because with the heart thought yeah, even though you're exactly. hurting uh if you step more into compassion and forgiveness uh, uh, but if you're in pain mind, then you're more in retaliation. In retaliation, yeah, mm. that's correct. Now, what is the unseen evil that you talk about? Oh, <laughs> although it's everywhere, evil. we can label it. But you know, it's what are you talking about? <laughs> yes. The unseen evil. I'm talking about the spirits i'm talking about the sorcery itself mm -hmm. and the, and the, whatever bad is being done that's not seen and for example sorcery even even if i'm not an expert i know it's something that you can quantify mm -hmm. and you usually 
can't see, right? It does, it just affects you and you're either uh, sick or, or I don't know, whatever good or bad happened to you is mostly something that you don't see often. You can calculate, you can quantify. And that's, that's a, for me, a way to, to, to say uh, or to, to speak about the unseen evil that uh, I'm referring to. The sorcery, uh, because in the book they are sorcery, right? they use a sorcery, they are, they are spirits that usually are not seen. They are good spirits, they are bad spirits. So uh, in a way, that's mainly this kind of aspect that I, I, I speak of when I say unseen evil. I've been on both sides of that, you know, the the good spirit. I'm um, very much a spiritualist and was born that way and has been very much in tune with other dimension and other worlds. And uh, I was possessed at one time uh, because I didn't wow. do enough protection. And it took four people to hold me down while this spirit, which was I call earthbounders, the people that don't want to cross over, they want to come back into a body. They're still angry or they're confused. Um, um, but most of the time is they just don't want to give up on life and they want to take somebody else over. And it, it's quite a frightening experience. And it's actually probably more terrifying for the people witnessing it because I'm in it. you know. Um, but it's very easy to, you know, I wasn't... Um, I wasn't seeking out any of this, but what I was doing, I was very much on a spiritual journey of, you know, diving even deeper into the spiritual world and I wasn't protecting myself. And you just open up that door. And once you let them in, you know, they want to take over. So there are ways of protecting yourself and there are ways of, of embracing the spirit safely. And this is actually where the shaman or other people uh, you know, know how to protect you and you learn how to protect yourself. But um, when we look at an evil spirit, it's very, very often um, a soul that doesn't realize they're dead or doesn't want to be dead or has unfinished business. And they just, you know, they want to, to control someone else. Uh, and some of them can be pure evil. Uh, they really can. They're accumulation of lives that have chosen the hate and evil way rather than the one of love. But most uh, spiritual world is purely of love energy. That is what the spirit is about. It is about the love essence. Um, and it's, uh, it is really fascinating. It's very, very intriguing to, you know, when I saw your book and, you know, the title of everything that you've put in there, you've written it about the African culture and you're telling a story, but it can parallel so much of everyone's life in some way or the other, you know, everybody could relate to it. It's not, you know, you're telling it from the African perspective, but it doesn't matter who you are, you know, white man, woman, whatever, you can look at that and go, hey, I, I felt that or I've seen that or I relate to that because it really has no color. And it really, the, the African culture there, I think is deep rooted in all of us if we're willing to open up and get into that rhythm. That's true. That's true. Um, the, uh, thank you. Thank you for that. The, the book, actually, when it came out and uh, when the people started to read about it and I, and I started receiving email from, uh, from the readers, and that's exactly what you're saying. That's exactly what we were saying. And it didn't matter if they were mm -hmm. yellow, green, black, or yeah. 
polka dot. <laughs> right. They just <laughs> they just couldn't identify at some level or to to some extent to one of the character or to the story or a section of the story. So and in a way it was one of the goals that I wanted to achieve and I was very happy when I received um, this, uh, this this email I said, okay yes that's, I, I reach I reach that part and yes that's one of the goals to be able to make uh, any reader from any background or genre preferences who open the book and read it to be able to be engrossed but at the same time identify yes. he or herself uh, um, to the book so yes I mean that's always a great well it's always a great success of a book is when you when you put it down you realize that it's it's speaking about you in some way or it's opened up an inquiry into yourself or it's reflected or um you know shown you something that maybe you haven't been able to see in your own life and a book can open that up for you and but you know are they, are they also at the same time you're sharing a culture as i said that i think you know at the core of this is very deep rooted uh, we may go about celebrating or conducting our lives in a different way, but I think that the the African rhythm, the African beat being very entwined with the earth and the spirit, you know, is uh, within all of us, no matter what our culture is or, you know, what our ethnicity is. And then I think it's a reminder when we read something like this, how it could switch things on inside of us and to realize you know that there's so much of that culture although it's foreign to the way we've been brought up there's a connection there an invitation there that can ignite that same rhythm in our own lives yes um the the people of uh, the the readers the way they the way they gave me all the detail of of what they ex they have experienced, it, it it makes you feel like um, I don't know how to explain this. There was this uh, this person who told me um, she thought she was in Africa. She thought she was an African, and I said, and she was she she is a a, a white person from Australia. Mm -hmm. She was, she was in Africa because the way she connected with yes. the book, and not because of the culture, but because of the story that were being told and uh, the message behind it, mm -hmm. she, she felt like she was in that area, in that mm -hmm. part of Africa herself. And, and that's, that's a great thing, actually. And that's, that's what I want to be able to share with us, as many people as possible. Right. It also can trigger a past life memory. You know, I know when I went to Africa, I felt I was home. And I know through doing various past life uh, regressions that I must certainly you know, was of, of African culture uh, way back in one of my lifetimes. And I think that's the reason why it so resonated with me. And, you know, I immediately tapped into that rhythm and that beat and that, um, and just the, I think we most certainly, you know, the frequency of it, most certainly, and, you know, enthralled with, um, with everything about it, because there was an identification there. And, you know, this is something we, we need to understand is that, this is a vessel that we're in. 
to have an experience in this lifetime in this vessel, whatever color, whatever sex, whatever, wherever we're born. It's here to have this spiritual experience, you know, human and spirit together. But we have many lifetimes. And, you know, there's different experiences in different lifetimes for different things for us to learn before we ascend to the point where we don't need body anymore. So if we do resonate with something, very often, it most likely was that you were of that culture at one of your lifetimes. And it's a reminder of what you learned in that culture and a way of igniting it again with inside of yourself as something you need to bring back into your life in this lifetime. I'm, uh, I'm so glad I'm talking to you right now because <laughs> everything, <laughs> everything you're saying, there are so, so much very good points. The, well, the book uh, that um, um, all the story in itself, as you know, it's the first part. So there yeah. are, again, many parts to come. But the, this, this idea of many lifetime, mm -hmm. it's, it's one element which is going to come at some point in the book and this is true and it is true it is so true and not not even about truth it is ingrained into the african culture that you just a passenger here yes in this in this earth you just a passenger you maybe after that you're going to go either to another plane or you're going to stay here as, as somewhere else it depends of your of many things i'm not too savvy on that, so I don't want to, to go too much into it. But for what I know and for what I understand is the person that you are now with that uh, that body and mind, mm -hmm. this body might be new, but this mind is might be very old. He has been yes. there, he has, he has had many lifestyles. Yeah, lifestyle. old souls. Also, exactly. Maybe in different uh, level or different plane of... of uh, of existence and sometimes you can either if you take it as a dream or as a deja vu you can see mm -hmm. for a glimpse of that at some point yeah so uh in, in many ways yes i want to be able to tell stories beautiful stories strong stories but i want to to be able to to expand all this mm. detail about the African culture from what they believe in and for what the thought process and everything that go, goes along with it. And yes, what you mentioned right now is going to be in oh, the good. Book, yeah, oh, good. Point, so, <laughs> good. Yes, yes I that's why I'm saying I'm, I'm very glad that I'm talking <laughs> to you. <laughs> well, you know, we, we limit ourselves in our, in our human mind thinking. You know, we're stuck in pattern beliefs that are just regurgitated one life after the other. And we're not here to be robotic. We're here to have this wonderful experience of spirit and, and body and mind, heart and soul all together to have this wonderful experience of the touch, the taste, the feel, the embrace of earth and being an earthling with the spirit mindset, with the spirit heart and soul set and to have a wonderful experience in, in that lifetime. And if we do not rectify whatever's wrong in our life in this lifetime, we come back to rectify it in another lifetime. And this is why you get certain people that realize, hang on, I just don't know why I'm carrying this. I just don't know why this doesn't feel like me. Most likely is a past lifetime of unfinished business. 
that you have now been imposed upon to clear up in, in your, the particular current lifetime that you're in. Once you recognize that, you can rectify it and you can move on in your own essence. But there's so many layers to us. We're not just this human blob. There's so many beautiful layers to us. Like, you know, the notes like an orchestra. And if we learn to recognize the music, we'll actually learn to understand why we're here, what we're here to do, and what the experience is all about. That's, that's true. Um, the, the, the thought process of, uh, of living multiple lives, which is already uh, ingrained, in the African culture, usually, if, uh, as you said, if you if you do a bad thing in a lifetime, in, per, in for example, in this lifetime, you do a bad thing, you might be drawn to another lifetime where you will have to rectify mm. it. And uh, as I said, I'm not I'm not an expert in that field. I, I know I know only a few box section where I have been told okay. by elders and but from from what I understand of for what I have been told is uh, you should try to make sure that you do your best to always do good by the people and the 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 creatures and the earth around you. When you do that, it's not only your body, it's your mind that register that. And when you're going to pass on this is going to be one aspect of it that will guide you to the next level or one aspect of it that you bring you back. Yes. As, I don't know. That you have to rectify. Yeah. Maybe a different... Yeah. Uh, exactly. But, uh, but yes, it's, uh, if, it's, if it's... It's been told by so many people from so many different cultures, there might be something there which is very, might be very true. Because if you were only one culture who says that, you say, okay. But it's not only the African no. culture. They are very different cultures who speak yes. the same kind of language mm -hmm. and tell that uh, you have different lives on, on this planet. So there's something to be taken seriously. I think one of the things that um, we need to have, and it sounds like your book is doing this, is opening up our minds so that our soul, spirit, and heart talk can speak to us. You know, we're, we've become so narrow, you know, narrow in the way that we think or the way that we accept things. And when we read something that feels a little far-fetched or a bit far out there, you know, initially, the more and more we read through it, the more and more it triggers something inside of us going, well, is it far out there? Is it so you know, crazy, you know, maybe, maybe there's something in this. And, you know, this is where I think humanity is desperately needing because we're, I feel that we are behind in our evolution of our spiritual beingness. Um, you know, we're brilliant at technology and all of that. We're also great, as you said, screwing things up instead of using it wisely, <laughs> you know. Uh, and I think the more we become in tuned with our, you know, our heart, soul, spirit, um, then you know then we actually understand why we're here and what we're here to do and how to do it and i think when we have books that just oh it's just an interesting book you know fascinating to read and that mm, 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 got a point here or mm, is that real or is that not real you know and the more that we make people inquire the more we open them up to receiving more information 
uh, and see things in a different way because most people are walking with blinkers. They're not paying attention to the signs around them all the time. And Mother Nature, believe me, she has many, many signs and speaks to us all the time if we would only listen. That's completely true. You know, in a, in a, there's a, a, a saying from one of the elders in a, in a Ivory Coast uh, who said, if you want to learn, observe nature. It's the best way to learn. Mm-hmm. It's not about doing calculation or no. Yeah. When you expose, when you, when you observe, immersed your 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 best weapon or your best tool is observation observe the world when you observe the the world or when you observe nature uh, the growth of a tree and uh, all the aspects that happen around it your mind start to open and you start to navigate even even knowing you start Mm -hmm. to understand a few things and the the structure that we have now and uh, I'll say it happened also in, in, in Africa, but in everywhere is for the human mind to be focused on something because mm-hmm. he needs to be able to feed his family. So he can't, he doesn't have that much time to be able to look at the world. And that's the structure that's happening. So you are, you are stuck in such a way that you don't have enough time for yourself yeah. uh, to be able to observe the world. Mm-hmm. You just have to focus on how can I feed my family? What should yeah. I do? And when your mind is focused on all of this, you can focus on everything else. Yeah. And uh, in, in the village, the elders treat the youngster most of the time to be to be good observers and not good observers only of the people uh, or of the of, of, of the creature. Good, good observers of everything to be able to understand how this person work. What should I do to make this person happy? What should I not do to to make this person mad? And the same person, the person on the other side does the same thing. So yeah. there's this, uh, this combination of, uh, of uh, be able to understand each other and not only be between human, between the human and, and uh, the animals, the human yes. and the trees. So you know exactly if I'm taking that much amount of maybe mangoes on that tree, I might be hurting someone. Mm-hmm. so I'll take only what I need and then give and leave that to the other person so there are so many uh, Balance. thought process that goes with that observation that uh, uh, we should be when you do that you should be able to understand more but because of the way we move right now because of the way the world moves and the, the need to be able to get enough money to feed the family. And that's very important. That's what is happening. That's what has to happen because that's the way the, the world runs right now. But in a, in a way, it's helping you to be able to do a lot of things that you want to do, but it's also uh, pulling you away from other things like the time that you need to be able to observe everything, observe the world, understand and this kind of thing. So, yes. We've lost the village. Um, you know, where the village is only as strong as everybody's participation. Uh, you know, the village comes together, each with their own gifts, their own expertise, and they strengthen that village. In bad times, good times, they're there for each other. And that village is, is strong as a unit. And in Western society, we are very isolated to become very 
you know, insular in ourselves rather than be creating a community, creating a village within uh, within um, our own realm here. And, and then we feel very alone and feel we don't have time for ourselves. We don't have time for this or that. But if we made the time, we would actually understand the answers that we need, the strength that we need, the love and the meaningful purpose of what we need is found in those times that you can bring back to your everyday life and strengthen it. Instead of just surviving, you'll learn how to thrive because the universe and the mother earth never lets us down, but we've just got to learn to listen and speak. It's that's true. And, uh, in Africa, the saying, um, uh, the parent not don't only raise the, the child, mm -hmm. the whole village yes. raises the child. Mm -hmm. Because what maybe the parent won't be able to teach you, an auntie or someone, the neighbor should be, should be able to teach you that. And something that's still present in the village in Africa, I'm not sure about the cities because everything is being yeah changed changing and being westernized i'm not sure if some people have retained the same uh, way of living but uh, i know in the village that's what happens and when a child have all this influence from around him he grows in such a way that it's so he is so well balanced or she is yes. so well balanced yes. that she is able to face the world in better ways yeah instead of only the the teaching of only the two parents. The two parents are people too. Yes. So, and, and sh you know, in their own strife, their own anxiety. And that's what well, they're teaching their kids. And it's not exactly. that they want to, it's just that they're trying to survive and we do need everyone else. That's There's something true. else that's I love true. about, you know, certain African cultures is that when somebody has done a crime or done something wrong, instead of incarcerating them, et cetera, there is the circle where they, they have to apologize, where they have to admit what they've done wrong. But at the same time, the questions of us, why did you do it? What was it that made you do it? And help them get to a place of that they won't do it again, not out of shame or fear, but out of a better consciousness of why not to do it. It is true that you bring that uh, the subject. Um, I'm not sure if it's still present. But I know that uh, uh, in history, in the African kingdom, in the African culture, prison, the concept of prison doesn't exist. Right. We don't know prison. Where you say that, okay, you commit a crime, you're going to put it in prison for this kind of this amount of years. It doesn't exist. It usually doesn't. I have to be careful here, but it doesn't work right. from, from the... the, the the thought process. Um, as you said, we are going to ask the person. There's the shame which is there. Then we're going to ask, also ask, why did you do it? Mm. And all of these questions. But usually when the person is very young, is going to be, when that happens, is being brought outside the village. When, because the, the, the elder can, usually they can see what the person is becoming or, or, what kind of person is going to be if he mm. continues in that path. Yeah, yeah. And when that happens at a very young age, we pull him out from the village so that they, he has a different kind of uh, uh, Perspective. teaching from yeah. there. Mm -hmm. Exactly. 
the, the, the elders or the person out of the village is going to take care of him, make sure he grows back mm. into into the society that they want. Not because, not by punishing him, yeah. no. They have some kind of exactly some method and some technique, some teaching that they are going to teach that person. And when he comes back in the village, he's a good person. Oh, even if he's a good person, he's a decent person, at least to be able to continue with uh, with uh, with a society. It is so I, much healthier that way to do it. You know, in North America, America especially. Um, 70% of um, foster children are incarcerated. Now, that, it do, that doesn't say they're the failure. It, the system is the failure. We have failed them. If 70% children that are foster children are in jail, what does that say about how we have served them? We've served them oh, very you, badly. You uh, you're right. You can say that the problem of the children, they no. are learning, they are growing, and yes. they are learning. Something is happening that's shifting this person in that path. And what, what do we have to bring them back? Yeah. We don't. We just take them and put them in a cage, yeah. right? And that cage, most of the time, I don't think it makes them better. I think it kills the spirit. They stay the same or they become worse. Right. And it kills any form of spirit inside of them, any form of belief or hope inside of them. Right. It just they're around criminal elements. And as I say, they become better criminals or they become a victim inside the jail of the criminal element there. So whom is it serving? Now, now there there are people, you know, outright murderers and serial killers and things like this. Yes, they they deserve to be locked up. But when you're looking at a youth, you've got to look at where are they being brought up? How are they being brought up? Who's been supporting them? Why did they make this choice? Right? And we don't ask those questions. We just throw them away like garbage. Right? And that is what's so very, very wrong about Western society is that we don't look at a human being as a value. We look at it as, you know, commodity. Are you making money? Are you rich or famous? No, and you're nothing. Right? <laughs> so it's, uh, there's a lot, there's an awful lot that we need to undo. And I think that if we go back to the the core cultures, like an African culture, like that village culture, and look at how are we nurturing our children? How are we teaching? How are we being an example for them? How do we show them that when they make wrong choices, how to rectify and apologize for that choice and come back to the right choices instead of persecuting them on it? So the, a lot of that that kind of culture needs to come back into society because what's what's happening right now is not working. So so many things, so many things to unpack here. You know, there is this this um, African saying: um, "You are your environment." Mm. So it usually means if you look at the plants. The way she grow around her environment, that's what's going to shape her. You look at the tree, you look at the animals. It's the same thing. And we are not different. No. We are human, but we are part of this world. So the way you grow and the environment that you have around you usually defines pretty neatly what kind of person you're going to become. So you can, of course, you find some diamonds. And I'm going to explain exactly what diamonds are. But 
in a very rough environment, the child will surely grow to be either a criminal or someone who has built so many carapaces to be able to protect himself that he follows that path of, mm. and he doesn't even know if it's bad or not. In a good and loving environment, you see that the person also follow, usually follow the, that, that path. And the, the diamond I, I, I want to come back to are uh, this person, they're going in a very, very hard environment. But as at some age, they realize that uh, this is this is bad. Even if nobody told them mm -hmm. that this is bad, they either want to change that environment or get away from it. Because yeah. if you don't get away from it, you're going to always be drawn to it. And why I'm I'm, I'm saying all of this is uh, it's so different from what we have here. Yeah. If if a person growing is in such an environment that is always prone to this kind of violence. I don't think bringing them or sending them in, in prison is the help. We just have to figure out how to drive that person to the right path. But the question is, do we know? No. Maybe we lost that knowledge for a long time. Yes. Or if we, if we, if, if we, we have that knowledge, why not apply it? We just have to find a better way for what I'm for what I'm understanding. And I really hope that uh, in Africa, I know it's still there in the villages. Mm -hmm. I just hope that it's not it's not changing because of the cities yeah. uh, changing also. But I really love that to be here because in Benin, for example, in the, in the past, in Benin, people didn't have doors in the house mm -hmm. because there was no thief. The, the, yes. the, the concept of thief was not was right. not there. You respected right? each other person's space. Right, exactly. yeah. There was no concept of I'm going to steal something from you because that mindset was, and it's, it's based on whatever system they had that pushed these, these people to think that way. So whatever yes. we have here, there might be some good, there might be some bad, but there's definitely something that's pushing the people toward that section. And we just need to figure out what. Right. You know, I've just written my memoir in, in it. You know, I wrote as a child, I have my pram, um, my doll's pram with the dolls in there. And I go walking everywhere with my doll's pram in my own little world, you know. And, you know, as long as I was back for tea, you know, then it, it didn't matter. Nobody worried. Right. There wasn't anything to worry about then. Like we, as kids, we went outside to play in the street or in each other's yards. And we knew that to come back at a certain time. Today, if our children aren't seen on the front lawn or we're not with them, we panic because we just don't trust people. It's, it's just like some harm can come to them in the, you know, in the blink of an eye. And we live in that fear all the time. And it's like, what went wrong? What went wrong? What, what energy are we feeding? And I do believe very much it's the energy that negative energy has been building and building and building and people don't know how to release it from themselves. And that energy is being projected out all the time that it's overpowering that positive energy. And we need, everybody needs to, and this is, you know, for me and the understanding is um, we are our own choices. We can't choose what happens to us, but we can choose what we do with it. And we need to look and take that journey within ourselves to find our own self-love, our own meaningful purpose, to find our own frequency, our own note and contribution in the world. And when we do that and we step into that love, 
that connection to spirit and earth. Then we truly will find that meaningful purpose and we will know we are of service to one another. And we can't in that state of love knowingly hurt anyone else. But while there's so much of the negative energy out there and we're paying so much attention to it with social media, the media and everything else, the, the good energy isn't being able to, to rise up or balance out. So if, we're, if we are angry, if we are mad, if we are feeling unhappy in our lives, we've got to recognize that and find our way back to that connection of heart, soul, spirit and love so that we can be that the balance of energy that really does serve people because the negative energy doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> the negative energy is only bring the worst, I think, in, yes. in the people. Um, you know, in the book, there is a section where one of the characters, Joel, where he's in the village and he's talking uh, to one of the elders. And uh, before the elders find him, he was thinking about his sister. He's worrying about his sister that he has to save. And uh, the elders tell him that from my heart, I felt your energy. That, that fear that you are feeding into is not going to help anything. Right. What do you want? He asked, he asked uh, uh, what do you want? I want to help my sister. Then focus on that instead yes. of worrying about what is going to happen to her. When you focus on, I want to help my sister, because your mind goes to that, you're going to think next, what are the steps I need to do to be able to get close to yeah. her? So it's this kind of process that maybe we need to be able to to focus. To tune into. Instead of fear. And fear is, exactly, fear is, fear is dangerous. It, yeah. is, it is good because at the, at the, at the, at the uh, beginning of the process, it helps the body to, to be careful of whatever mm. arm. But if you if you hold on to that fear, you mm. you're able to you'll be able to do some very, very bad damages. To yourself. Not good. Yeah. To yourself, to, to your anyone surrounding. else. Mm. And you you'll be you'll be doing things that you don't even really think possible because you were afraid. Mm -hmm. So these are the things that maybe as I and as I said, it's it's still there. And you you you're right talking about the the hurt, but the mind, both of them are very important, and the fear comes from mostly here. Yes. Right? So we need to be able to see. Okay, should I should I be able to fear to fear that? But you know, also as we just talked, uh, the environment also can push someone to be yeah. very fearful. And uh, well, that's how they control. That's... that's that's a control factor, right? Keep if, people afraid. Exactly. You keep them controlled. Yeah. Exactly. If you know that you're in the environment where your child is likely to be kidnapped if mm -hmm. it's outside, you're going to be fearful. Yeah. And uh, as you said, if they know how to control that thing, if they know how to control you, how you're going to react. So there's caution. One can have caution and common sense. You know, that's just being practical, but don't let it go to the fear side. Because fear is such an almost intoxicating thing that can consume you. And once you're afraid, you look at everything fearfully and without trust. 
and believe everyone's out to hurt you. And then come along the puppeteers. I will save you. Just do this. Just do that. <laughs> right. And then you think you're safe. And really what you've done is you've fallen into that trap. So we've got to be very, very careful. You know, like when the fear of the back of your hairs on the back of your neck go up, pay attention. Right. Pay attention to that. That is a warning or something. You know, if, if um, a feeling comes across of not to walk in front of the bus, please pay attention. But don't let fear rule your life because it does cripple creativity. What it does to it literally crunches your body up. And when your body is crunched up, no energy, no chi, no, flu no fluidity can run through your body. That means no clarity can. So the deep breath, aligning your chakras, letting your body be at ease and inviting, you know, this, I am worried about this, but what is the solution? Ask the universe, ask the universe, how do I rectify this? How do I solve this problem? And then be open to receive because it will always come in a very odd way. Ask the universe, what a beautiful way to, to say that. Um, and also there is this, uh, as we saying, if you, if you feel bad or you feel, you feel hurt or you feel anxious, look at the sky. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, uh, an African, an African saying, but yes, usually when you're very happy, that's where you look at the stars. Yes. Of the time. And, um. Uh, you're right. We just need to 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 be able to control uh, the way we we accept fear into our life. Mm -hmm. Yes, it can be something that will say, "Okay, I'm going to protect you from that from that very moment." But you can let it guide your life. Yes. Otherwise, it becomes it becomes a problem. It becomes a problem for you, for your environment, for the people around yes. you. You becomes very you become very violent even not even knowing that you have become maybe violent. And because you're fearful, you're going to affect everyone around you. So. It, it also makes you wrongfully vulnerable. When you are in, in your um, heart's truth, your soul's truth, that vulnerability is a gift. When you're in fear, that vulnerability becomes a detriment. Be careful what you feed. Be careful what you feed, right? Because what you feed will grow. What, there you go. Mm -hmm. That's it. Be careful where you put your mind to, where, yeah. where you want your mind to focus on, because that's exactly where it's going to focus on. You focus on the fearful or all the bad thing, it's going to develop that for you. Mm -hmm. You focus on the good thing, it's going to develop that also for you. So just be careful where, where you think. The, the mind and the body have a tendency or the, uh, yes, the tendency to first project that fear. Yeah. And it's, it's for you now as a person and as using your conscience to say, okay, I'm, I'm afraid now. I should back off and see exactly what I need to do. Yes. Because the fear is there to protect you, but don't let it consume you, envelop you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It consume you. The characters in this first book, will they be in the next book? Is there a thread? Are they going to be in all of the books? I don't know if I'm able to say that. Oh. 
a spoiler. <laughs> but uh, no, but we already know that Kwajo uh, uh, Joel, which is a, one of the main characters in the book, is going to be there because he survived uh, in the first book. But the other one, the main one of the main character, we don't know. Ah. Have you written the next book? No, I have not. I wanted to be able to make sure that um, uh, people are very aware of this first book. And I have done my my tour, my interviews, and then I can sit and focus on the second book. But it took me that long to be able to write the first book because I want to make sure that everything was complete in my head. So from the first book to the last book, everything is there. I just need now to sit and be able to. Right. Yeah, the foundation and the, you know, the stage is set now. So now you're just putting the players in, right? You don't need to reset the stage. Um, How easy does the writing come to you when you put yourself to it? Well, it really depends. Uh, for, for me, the writing becomes very easy and very enjoyable, actually, when I'm sure that I know exactly what's going to happen in the book. Mm-hmm. So, for, for example, for a chapter, if I'm not visually, uh, if I'm not visualizing it in specific detail, I won't be able to write it. So you have to make sure from the blade of grass to the person around me, what he's wearing, the way he speaks. If all of this is there, then I know, okay, this is in, in my and now. Now I'm excited. I want to put it on paper. Otherwise, it might, it might be, it can be difficult. I don't think I can sit like that and start writing. I don't think I'd be able to do anything right. if I do. So you, you so need... my, my main process was. Right. You need your stage. You need your stage for yes, the players, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm a I'm person I write and it just comes out as kind of conduit coming through me. So I very often have no idea what I'm going to write about I, I, I and I just let it go, I, you know? <laughs> so I step into flow. I, I, I don't read that because that's, that's, that's beautiful. Yes. Well, my brother is a professional writer. To, be able to, to sit and be able to write. Mm-hmm. But do you find oh, those characters, okay. I mean, he's a professional writer, so, and even with him, even though he has a structure, his characters very often take on a persona of their own and start doing things that he hadn't planned. Did you find that with your characters in the book, that suddenly they took on a different personality and started doing things that you hadn't planned them to do? When, once, once the character is set and I place the story, I just follow the, the character most of the time. Yes, I know that, okay, in, in that section, this is what is going to happen, but I don't know what happened in between. And right. usually it's when, when I finish setting up the stage and I'm, I'm certain I'm writing, because I know already what the character is, the way he grew up, what he has been influenced to. I know in a way uh, how he's going to navigate. But sometimes also they take they take some some steps that you don't see it coming. Yeah. But it, it feels so right at yes. that moment. Yes, let's write it because this feel this yeah. is right for, for Yeah, the yeah. It, it's a, it that's been in flow, you know, allowing uh, allowing them to have an experience that you're having it as you're writing it. Right. You know, that's what I always love when I read back something I've written or, uh, you know, I do my own show every week. But sometimes I just press record and let come out of my mouth. I have no idea what it is. If I listen back or read back, 
it surprises me because I've stepped into allowing of what needed to be said at the time that it needed to be said. And when I was writing my memoir, I did the same thing. It's like, you know, whatever needed to come out. Uh, needed to come out and it's a but you know we all have our writing techniques and you know my brother very much is like you set the stage then let the characters come on they have their lines but how they produce those lines it comes in the flow of the story exactly mm -hmm. exactly yeah. it, it can be a, i don't know if i should call it a magical moment and you feel like oh this guy is easy life it's magical because darling he, it's magical yeah. <laughs> <laughs> feel the magic because you, you're writing and you feel that okay he said something that's wow okay and that's exactly him. yeah so it is it is it is incredible and there's so much you realize of yourself in the characters or how much even the characters now have had an influence on you oh i think he has been going both ways yeah um i think I was able to bring this character and the world uh, uh, <clears throat> from the ground because of who I am, the experience I had as a as a child, and uh, uh, and my growing up with my parents and with elders in the villages and all of this. I was able to do that. But now that I was when I was writing and and sometimes taking information and learning about uh, what I was going to write that. At some point, it, it then comes back to me with some knowledge that I didn't know or some uh, some experience that I, I didn't have, and that's it's it's very it's a beautiful thing, especially when everything comes back to you. And I was able to learn so much during yeah. the writing process, which is a, it's an incredible thing. That's the gift. That's the gift back to you. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's wonderful that, that if your book can become a bestseller and lots and lots of people read it. But, you know, quite honestly, what was the gift that was given to you in the process of, of writing it? And I think that's what some exactly. people forget. You if you write a book not to please everyone else, but you write that book to please yourself, it will please everyone else. That's true. I don't think I was thinking about my main goal when I was writing was to be able to make sure that I write a good story and I make sure that I give credit to the to the Africa because I was writing about Africa. Yes, I want the reader to to love it, but I wasn't focused on the reader when I when I wrote the right. book. I was focused on the story, what the characters are, what they want to uh, to tell the world what they want to portray from old Papa to to Joel and all of this. Now that it's out, let's see what the reader is thinking about it. I don't think I'd be able to write thinking what the reader, what does yes. the reader want or what not. Yeah, well, you'll only disappoint yourself. You would only disappoint them because if you're writing to please everyone else, there's always going to be somebody displeased. So, you know, it's right from your authenticity, right from your own presence, <laughs> and you will please those that are in tuned with it. And those that aren't, aren't. And that's all exactly. there is to it, right? Exactly. So this book well, is I out was, now. I was telling myself. <laughs> it is, yes. It is. Well, it has been out for, for uh, uh, what, a few uh, years now or more, I think. So definitely so, ready yes. for the second book. <laughs> <laughs> winter is coming no it's a good time to nest I'll, in and do the I'll book get, I'll get to it <laughs> um, you I'll know the, the, the thing is when somebody does read a book 
don't leave it too long before the second book comes out because they're hungry for it, right? You want them to, yes, to remember so, it. So, so um, you know, exactly what I, 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 I saw when yeah. people are sending email, where is the second book? Where yeah, exactly, book? exactly. Get writing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, you know, I, for me, a, a good book is when I put it down, I talk about it. It's had a feeling in my life. It's something I think about. You know, then I know, you know, that story's really touched me. And, you know, there are some books and um, what did you do this weekend? I read a book. What was the title? I can't remember. But when it's a book, <laughs> well, you've got to read this book. You know, you this book had this on. You're talking about the book. Then, you know, you've got a good book. So you've got people emailing you and commenting on it. So clearly you've hit a book that is that has hit the right nerves. And it's got oh, people um, talking about it in the right way, which is good. I'm very grateful for that. I'm very grateful for that. That's all a, a writer like myself, especially a new writer like myself, can hope for. When you get feedback like this, you say, okay, so something is good there. So, yes, yes. So now it's time to write the second book and then come back and share that one with <laughs> us as well. So how do people get the book and how do people reach you? Uh, well, I'm not a big social media guy, but I have to open a, a lot of uh, social media because the reader was demanding it. So I have Instagram now and I have Twitter. So Instagram is uh, the name, yes, OGD. People can reach. reach uh, can you spell that out for them, for people who are listening? Can you spell that out for them? Yes, OGD is Y-E-S-S-O-H-G-D. And that is on Goodreads, uh, and that's on Instagram, and that's on Twitter. Goodreads, Instagram, and Twitter, yes. Nice. And they can also email me, the same name, yesogd at gmail.com, or they can go to my website, which is the Tale Series. The Tale Series thetaleseries.com that's, that's uh, something that I need to, to talk about it's not tale, it's tale oh tale it's okay. tale All right, and, so, and right, it's, so... A, it's a very good that you, 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 you mentioned that because uh, tale it reads like tale yes. it is not, it means something completely different, it's ah. coming from a it's a name from a, a, a royal group in a in the Western Africa called the Aka. So they have a name uh, called Tale that means something in the book. So if your reader reads at the end, or he's going to figure out, but yes, it is Tale. Right. So when you're going to the website, it's the T-H-E, Tale, T-A-L-E, and then series, S-E-R-I-E-S.com. And uh, and of course, you're on Amazon.ca, Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and Kobe. Uh, so people can buy the book from anyone else, uh, any one of those. And of course, you are going to be writing your second book now, which hopefully will be back <laughs> next year to share. And you don't know how many books are going to be in the series, right? You're just going to let it uh, unravel as it goes? Well, I have a, a, a number in my head. <laughs> do I want to share? Oh, sure. come on, come know. on. How many books? <laughs> there is, well, there is four books. Sorry, there is four book coming. Um, there's four book coming. So this is the first one, and there's an, an, three more coming. So. Well, I know from not only being a reader, but from podcasting for so many years, people love 
um, a sequel. They love a story being unraveled over several books. Um, you know, in, you know, three books, four books. It's it's always that continued tale. What are they up to now? Where are they are now? What's happening now? And again, it's that relativity to their own lives. Sometimes it's just escapism into another world. But it's uh, people love the continued story. So. Um, Get right to that next book. That's correct. Uh, we're, we're in for uh, a rough winter in Vancouver, so it's a good time to hibernate and write. <laughs> well, I, I'll, I'll sit down at some point and then forget Let it all out. And then let, let it all out. There's okay. so many things that that are yet to come. Oh, good. Tell me about it, to, to unravel about deeper into the African culture and mm. African belief and there's more to come so yes and you know again what I said right in the beginning about the African culture just being kind of so magical and you know at the at the same time it's it, there's so much that we realize is the core of our of our beingness is the core of the earth is the core of spirituality it's the connection to universe and by understanding the african culture as well as you know the indian culture and the uh, deep asian culture these were cultures that were based in the spirit spirit and earth they they represented and understood it was a partnership between spirit and earth and the respect and the knowledge and the wisdom and that's how they managed to survive and western culture has taken that away a great deal and we are lost without it so the more and more that can bring people back to that core of spirit and earth and understanding the core that lies within us and igniting the spirit within them more the better that's correct. Um, it's 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 beautiful because I was I started writing when I was in India actually. I spent a great deal of time in India around six years, and uh, as I was there, you 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 enjoy or I'll say you admire that beautiful Indian culture. Yes. And what what they were capable of and what they were doing with. Uh, the culture itself, and and sometimes you you see some similarities yes. in the thought process or in the in the action. It's they are not all the same, but you can feel yeah. some similarities between core uh, value. Yeah, yes, so between, exactly mm -hmm. between the, the African culture and the Asian culture. I don't think I don't think all the older ancient culture were different. Mm -hmm. Were that different? Of course, there were some. Uh, differentiation here and there, but I think the core value most of the time was always based on the spiritual side, and yeah. I think most of them still have it. So, yeah, and you know, in Europe, you have different type of culture. You know, I think more I re re resonate when uh, from the English side is more the Celtic uh, culture, um, and you know, because very much to do with you know, with earth and spirit and uh, and that everything has an energy, everything has a significance, everything has a place to serve as we are here to serve as well. And, you know, I think those philosophies run deep in many of those cultures that we have forgotten today or we're just not taught today. Uh, you know, we're taught to kind of give ourselves over to God and not take any ownership or discovery of our own inner root or our own inner core. Um, it isn't about just give it up to God. It it is about finding the God within you, whatever your God is, right? 
And that's then when the, that's the right word. Right. And that's I'm when that's when the true connection is, right? And whatever that connection is, whatever your God is, when you are united and connected with that, then you truly understand your your purpose in life and what what the core value of life is and what love is and and what what really service is, because we're here to serve one another. And the more that we do that, the more we benefit as as a human culture. And uh, I think we need to bring those cultures back into play. And, uh, you know, when, and it's simple, you know, movies and books and people talking about it and podcasts and things like this help people to be reminded, help people to stop looking for the outside life and realize it's an inside out life. And the more in tuned you are within the inside, the more you're going to enjoy the outside. But the more you're chasing the outside, the more lost you are on the inside. So. It's all a journey, isn't it? And it's all about balance. <laughs> all a journey, all about balance. And these are these are deep words. Yep. Well, obviously the deep the depth is in the books, and I'm looking forward to all the other books coming out. <laughs> and the Fred, and I'm glad that you're bringing that deep, wonderful African culture to people, and and understanding the the, the heartbeat of African culture, right? Because it is that heartbeat that connects with the spirit. And that's really the whole entire frequency and vibration of Africa. And, and again, what lies within us, connect to our heartbeat, our soul heartbeat. And then we're, we're on the right road. We're on the right frequency. <laughs> Thank <laughs> exactly. you so much. Connect, connect to, to our roots, connect to our inner selves, connect yeah. to, the, to Mother Earth. Yeah. Mother Earth and to, and to the beautiful universe that serves us, right? Because we're here to serve one another. We're here for an experience for a reason. Let's dive into that experience and let's embrace our essence and let's be all that we know we're meant to be. And we can do that only if we're united. Um, you know, not as yeah, a collective human beings, but united with heaven and, and Earth, right? That's correct. That's correct. Thank you so much for sharing here today. I want you to come back when the next book is ready. Okay. Come back, share the no next problem. one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and thank and, you again for, for oh, my pleasure. Me. Thank you for taking this path and bringing your wonderful culture into a story where it is enlightening, educational, inspiring, and inviting because oh, it's something you. that we all need very much in the world. So thank you. And so, uh, folks, reach out. Remember, his site is. Uh, Tales the Tally series, T A L E series.com, and you can find his book, Tally by Yosef, Y E S S O H G D, on Amazon or on Barnes and Nobles or on Kobe. Uh, get the book and have an African experience and just see how much it resonates with your heart and soul. Until next time, folks, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. Find all of our shows on selfdiscoverymedia.com under podcasts or selfdiscoverymedia slash shows. And for all our current shows, go to What's New. We are supported by you, the audience. You will see a nice big shiny blue button for one-time donations or follow us on Patreon and you will be able to support us there. We enjoy bringing you such wisdom. And the next show will be up in just a moment.